Welcome in episode 171, What's Right with Nick Wright. Today's episode brought to you by Starbucks, ready to drink coffee. Tune in to moments that matter with the uplifting boost of Starbucks mocha frappuccino chilled coffee drink available now or wherever you buy your groceries. I got this one at the bodega right next door. All right, a ton to do today and we're doing something different to start the show. But first, so, and it's going to probably just heads up Diora. The opening topic, if I keep it under 30 on the opening topic, I will have done a good job. Under 30 minutes on the opening topic. I need to, I'm going to have to nap while you. You, No, it'll be riveting information, but there's 32 teams. I'm going to go, well, I'll explain in a moment. Before we even get to that, let's get to what missed the cut for today's show. Not on today's show, the U.S. Soccer League Sacramento Republic signs a 13-year-old, the youngest pro athlete in the U.S., Shakira, says Jimmy Butler, different from other men. Shout out Jimmy Butler. And Johnny Manziel reportedly, or by his own admission, uh, watched zero film in the NFL. I have a new rule. I only watch sports documentaries if I am prominently featured in them. So the Johnny Manziel doc is not going to make my docket. In fact, I haven't even seen a few of the latest sports docs that evidently I'm in. It's very weird. When we want to use clips from these documentaries on TV, very often it's like, no, it wasn't clear. They wouldn't let us do it. But nobody asks me if they can use my, you know, wisdom and great takes in their documentaries well yeah very awesome very often it's wisdom you could learn a few things from my wisdom you've you've shunned most of it all right Dior though what are we starting today's show with 32 teams what we know what you hope and what you fear okay so I liked the, what we did on Tuesday mm-hmm. where we went through all the teams and their potential hall of famers all of that and I wanted to kind of, oh, they put 30 on the clock. Wow. And I wanted to continue that because we're going to be off next week. And then the week when we return, we really kick it into full football gear. And we do our official predictions. We bring the gambling show back. Your brother makes his return from Los Angeles. That's all coming. And as kind of dipping our toe into the prediction waters, what I want to do here is go through all 32 teams as quickly as I can and say what you know, what you hope, and what you fear if you're a fan of any of these teams. So I'm going to start in the NFC, go to the AFC. I'm just going to go as I see them listed on the NFL standings page with everyone zero and zero. So it's basically a random order, if you will. We will start as it happens when we'll go east, north, southwest, because that's how the standings are listed. As it happens, we'll start with the Dallas Cowboys. What we know about the Cowboys is they're going to have a really good defense. It's impossible for that team with Micah Parsons, with Dan Quinn, with the other personnel on that defense to not have a really good defense. What you hope is with Mike McCarthy, and this is a big risk here, taking control of the offense from Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore being gone, that Dak Prescott, gets back to who he'd been his entire career prior to last year, cut down on the interceptions, take care of the football. Tony Pollard, who was the best running back on the team the last couple years, is now the, we know he's going to be the featured back, that he can carry the workload. And that defense, plus a lack of turnovers on offense, leads to the Cowboys for the first time since the mid-90s going on an actual postseason run. What you fear is that the offense takes a step backwards, not because Dak's turnovers jump, but because McCarthy's too conservative. And what you really fear is that Mike McCarthy, who has always dealt with game management and clock management issues, that now he has even more on his plate on game day since he's calling plays, that the Cowboys have some end of game, end of half meltdowns that cost them games they otherwise shouldn't. That's the Cowboys. The Giants, what we know. We know that Brian Dable's a good coach. We know that. 
what you hope is that Daniel Jones can keep his turnovers low like last year while expanding what he's allowed to do through the air, throwing the football. What you fear is that when they put more on Daniel Jones's plate, the turnovers will jump back up. The touchdowns might go up. I mean, they had 15 touchdowns last year. Might go up as well, but this is a team that cannot deal with turning the ball over the way they're trying to win. And so you know they have a good coach and that they're on the right track. You hope Jones, what now if they take the training wheels off of him, that he can continue on this trajectory, you fear that when they take the training wheels off of him, he's going to become Danny Drops again, one of the most turnover-prone quarterbacks in the league, and they can't sustain that. Philadelphia Eagles, what we know, we it's almost an impossibility for this team not to be at least good. They have too good of a roster, too good of an offensive line, too good of a defensive line, too good of a leader at quarterback. So we know that their their bare minimum is 10 wins probably. What you hope is that because of the leadership of Jalen Hurts, that that team does not suffer a Super Bowl hangover, that they got a absolute steal at number 10 in the draft in Jalen Carter, that his Georgia teammate Jordan Davis uh, looks like the player he was in college, more so the player he was as a rookie where he wasn't quite as impactful as people thought, that they got another steal in Nolan Smith, and that Jalen can continue on the trajectory he was on in the Super Bowl, which was his best game throwing the football of his career. What you fear is that Sirianni, who is not as level-headed, in my opinion, as Jalen Hurts, and has not faced real adversity as a head coach in this league, that Sirianni doesn't deal well if they get off to a tough start that Jalen does not take the next jump at throwing the football, and that all of a sudden they're in a dogfight in the NFC East when they were cruising all last year, and that this team feels like, oh man, our opportunity was last season, and now all of a sudden we because they have they've put a lot on the credit card in Philadelphia. And now all of a sudden we're not going to have as stacked of a roster moving forward. That's what you fear and you fear that the draft strategy of just take Georgia players might not be the best one. Washington. What you know about Washington is they should have a good defense. What you hope with Washington is that Eric Bieniemy can get the absolute most out of out of Sam Howell and what are some underrated weapons? What you fear is that they have clearly the worst quarterback in that. Well, yeah, I mean, right now clearly the worst quarterback in that division. Not a very, in my opinion, not a very good head coach. That the season is already off to a weird start with Ron Rivera airing out Bieniemy unnecessarily. And that Washington is all of a sudden in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes when they're trying to be in the wildcard sweepstakes. All right, that's the the NFC East. NFC North, Chicago Bears. What you know is they have more talent than last year. They added DJ Moore. They addressed the offensive line. They spent some money. Last year, they spent the year in jail. They got the number one pick because of it. They were able to flip that for a lot of draft capital. What you know is that. They will have more talent on the field this year than last year. What you hope is that Justin Fields can become just league average as a passer. His ability as a runner and his athleticism, if he is just a league average passer, he'll be a top 10 quarterback because he's one of the two best running quarterbacks in football. What you fear is that he is not going to evolve as a passer that 
going with a defensive-minded head coach when you're trying to develop a quarterback is not going to work out, and they are going to say, oh, man, we could have drafted our quarterback at number one. We traded out of that pick. So you fear that, and you, in addition to that, kind of fear that Carolina is better than people expected, and those picks you have coming back from them aren't as good. The Detroit Lions, what you know, you know that they have playmakers on offense, they've spent a lot of resources on trying to improve that defense, and you know those players will play hard for Dan Campbell. What you hope is that the offensive line holds up the way it did last year, so Jared Goff, because with a clean pocket, Jared Goff can play. You hope the offensive line holds up, and you hope that even though you took what are considered non-premium positions high in the draft, that those guys are instantly day one starters and you get more out of your rookies than most teams that took guys maybe at premium positions but weren't the best or the second best player at their positions in the draft. What you fear is that you're the damn Lions. And every year of your life as a Lions fan that you've gone into with any type of hope, they have found a way to kick you in the gut. And that Goff, the offensive line is not quite as good, which means Goff doesn't have a clean pocket, which means Goff goes back to who he was at the end of his time with the Rams, that the defense doesn't get it together, that drafting a running back and an inside backer with your first round picks was as bad as all the analytics folks said it was and that a year where you have legitimate playoff expectations, you fall flat. Green Bay, what you know. You know that, honestly, this is a team that probably knows as little as anybody else, as little as anybody in the league. But what you know is that you have a good coach in LaFleur, and you are able, for the first time, in 30 years in Green Bay to kind of fly under the radar because you don't have a superstar at quarterback and no one expects anything out of you this year. What you hope is not can Jordan Love be as good as Aaron Rodgers in the entirety of his career, but can Jordan Love be about as good as Aaron Rodgers was last year? Maybe Rodgers wasn't very good. Those young receivers, can you hope they can take the next step? And you hope that the team and Jordan, but the, mostly the rest of the team, take it personally that Rodgers seems to be so damn thrilled with his new setup and his new spouse and his new uh, new football spouse, I should say, with the Jets, and you take it personally. What you fear is that Jordan Love is not the guy and Rodgers play is rejuvenated and plays really well, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, we're in the NFL wilderness without a place to turn for the first time in, like I said, 30 years. Minnesota Vikings. What you know is you have the best receiver in football, and you are going to get above average, not great, but above average play from your quarterback. That, plus an offensive-minded head coach, guarantees you some competency on offense. Justin Jefferson, league average quarterback play, offensive-minded head coach, the offense going to be fine. What you hope is that the defense can just be slightly below average instead of a disaster the way it was in so many spots last year. What you fear is that your 11-0 record in one-score games was historic for a reason and is totally unsustainable. Atlanta Falcons. We're going to go fast, hopefully, through the NFC South because we are 13 minutes in. We've done eight teams. This is not going. Even I thought this would be long. It's going a little longer than I thought. How do you think we're doing? Are you interested? You locked in? <laughs> You're just over here just sniffling? You're not going to even say anything? I mean, I'm... Um... I'm listening, you know. It's locked in. You, know? you listen. You're going to go off to college, and people are going to bring you. Bring people from all over the world, all over the country, different football teams. If you retain just one piece of information about each team, you're going to be able to jump into any conversation. And be like, uh, "Whoa, I'm okay. I don't think I'll be a part of any football." Well, you never know, Diora. All right, Atlanta Falcons. What you know <clears throat> is Bijan Robinson is going to be awesome. 
You know that. What you hope is that in that division, that Ritter looks competent, Bijan, Kyle Pitts, the other weapon, Drake London, you have all those weapons and you can be a fun team. What you fear, and I wouldn't actually fear this, I would be hoping for this, is that Ritter can't play at all and somehow you're you're in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. I don't think they're going to be bad enough to be in that, but you kind of fear. What you actually fear is that the weapons in Bijan are enough to get you to like, and you've invested some money in defense, Calais Campbell and others, you get to six, seven wins, and you're kind of stuck in that purgatory. The Saints, what you know is you're not going to be terrible. You brought in Derek Carr. You keep pretending you're challenging for Super Bowls right now. What you hope is that in that division, with Carr with a bit of a chip on his shoulder, Kamara coming back after the suspension, a defense that every year is pretty damn good. You should probably turn your ringer um, off. Yeah, I should turn my ringer off. Thank you. Uh -huh. uh, you hope that you can get to 10 wins, which is enough for the division. What you fear is that you end up where you've been the last couple years, right on the outside looking in, and you're... You have put so much on, and I know Saints fans hate me because they don't understand how the salary cap works. That's fine. Uh, that you kept borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, and you weren't even really paying Paul. You were just paying off the interest, but the debt has stayed the same because that bill is coming due in New Orleans over the next few years, and that is only worthwhile doing, like if Tampa or the Rams did it, if you have a legitimate chance of winning the Super Bowl, you had that with Breeze, you do not have it now with Derek Carr. Tampa Bay, what you know is you've got some good receivers. That's about it. What you hope is that with the offensive line back from injury, with still some talent on defense, not a lot, but some, and in that division, that you can be around the type of team you were last year, even though it's Baker in for Brady, and you can be alive to win the division. What you fear is that Kyle Trask is your quarterback by week five because Baker's played himself out of the job and that you're one of the worst teams in the league. Carolina, what you know. You know that you're at least going to have fun this year watching Bryce Young as you figure out if you made the right decision in trading all those assets to move up to number one to get Bryce. What you hope is that, hey, you were around 500 last year, you have a good defense, you're in a bad division, why can't you, on the talent of the number one pick of the draft quarterback, go win the division? What you fear is that Bryce is too small, the team stinks, and you have given up future draft picks that you are going to need to get him. All right, to the NFC West. The Los Angeles Rams. What you know, this is going to be a really tough year. What you hope, if you're a smart Rams fan, that the team recognizes this is going to be a really tough year, pivots to rebuild, and you may be swallow hard and trade Aaron Donald. You don't mind if you have to put Stafford on the shelf and you say, we want to be the worst team in the league, start the whole thing over. We have no one on our defense that rep that reminds us of the Super Bowl except for Donald. On offense, you have a quarterback coming off an injury. You have Cooper Cup, that's fine, but your offensive line's still a mess. What you hope is they recognize that and try to bring in the kid from L.A., Caleb Williams with the number one pick. What you fear is that Sean McVay won't allow it, that instead you're destined to another season like last year where you're a five or six win team kind of stuck in this football purgatory. The Arizona Cardinals, what you know is you're going to be terrible. What you hope what? is that you're the worst team in the league. What you fear is that somehow you get a few wins you shouldn't otherwise get because the Cardinals are positioned so well because they have they traded away 
the number three pick of the draft so they could get and Houston's first-round pick next year, and they have their own first-round pick next year, and the ability to trade Kyler at some point, the Cardinals will be able to get one of the top two quarterbacks in this draft class and maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. and have an additional first-round pick from a potential Kyler trade. This season's going to stink. It will set the table for the next decade of Cardinal football if they're smart. San Francisco. What you know, you're going to be really good as always. You have ex- you had two through 53 as good of a roster in the league. You're going to have one of the best defenses in football. You're going to have, when he's healthy, a great running game, great receivers. What you hope is that what we saw from Brock Purdy last year was not a mirage, that it continues on this trajectory, and that all of a sudden that you are once again a legitimate Super Bowl contender. What you fear is that Brock Purdy, who was physically limited already, now coming off major elbow surgery, that he is not the guy that he looked like for two months last year. Instead, he's the guy that was the last pick of the draft. And all of a sudden, you have already given up on Trey Lance. Sam Darnold's the only quarterback there. And once again, we are all left saying, man, If the Niners had a real quarterback, they'd be dynamic. That's what you fear. And then lastly, in the NFC Seattle, what you know is that you crushed the draft last year. You had rookie tackles, one of whom was awesome, the other of whom played well. Uh, Fifth or sixth round corner that's dynamic that you have all these young players that Pete Carroll is molding and that should only be better. What you hope is that what we saw from Geno last year was not a mirage, and with those weapons, and when healthy, you get those running backs back, but DK and Lockett and your running backs that you've spent consecutive second-round picks on and Geno leading the NFC in touchdown passes last year, that you can actually not just be a, wow, shocked the Seahawks made the playoffs, but maybe won the division. What you fear is that Geno regresses to the player that he was a year before, and that this team all of a sudden has some of the struggles offensively that people expected them to have last season. All right, that's the NFC. Uh, that was hard. That was longer than I thought. So you know what? Let's do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, kind of change up the idea here. Let's now do the rest of the A block as quickly as we can. And then to start the B block, the next segment will do the AFC. So there's the A, there's the NFC done. One teams one through sixteen, every division. We can now get to your portion of the show, and we'll make. Yeah, and then in the start the B block, we'll do the AFC. Oh, that's I, about as long. Uh, I guess you. Didn't no, it started at thirty. Yeah, we yeah. did, and so it took twenty minutes to go through. Half. Uh, it took twenty minutes to go through half the league. Okay, all right, Diora. What's our first topic or second topic of the show? The new Hard Knocks debuted. And got another IMDb credit. Yeah, I did. I, I mean, they used me right off the top of the show, evidently. It's true. Go ahead. Evidently. I'm Ev- sure you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, it yet. I actually haven't seen it yet, but go ahead. Aaron Rodgers looked like a hero, not a villain. But we all heard and saw out, saw out of Green Bay the past few years what a diva he was. Was a change of scenery really all this guy needed? It's possible. But here's the thing on that. Because I know a lot of people's opinion is, man, an angry Aaron Rodgers, a motivated Aaron Rodgers, or a happy Aaron Rodgers. That's what. May, that's why they're gonna. He's gonna be great again. If that's true, that is such a stinging indictment of Aaron Rodgers' football character. If it's true that he was a uh, a player that was trailing off and then saw Jordan Love get drafted, and that's what motivated him to win back-to-back MVPs. He always had it in him, but he had to be angry. And then he got the big new contract and got complacent, but then the Packers wanted to move on from him, and now he's angry again. He's going to be awesome. That is, it would be somewhat remarkable, but it also, to me, would be a, a huge blemish 
on his resume that the guy just it, it, it how good he is has to do with how slighted or insulted he feels and so i don't think that's what it is i do think he's happier now but i also think he's almost 40 coming off an injury coming off his worst season i don't think he's going to be great you have a follow-up on rogers if rogers left green bay years ago how differently would would we all view him well i the the idea there is if he had more postseason success and yes the packers at times i think didn't necessarily surround him with as many weapons as you would like to see a great player surrounded with. But he did have Devontae Adams. It's not like he was stuck with the Cleveland Browns, some terrible franchise. And a lot of their postseason failures had to do with him not coming up big in the biggest spots. So I don't, maybe we'd view him more favorably or maybe we'd view him the exact same. All right, next. Okay, it's the time of the year where all the headlines are about teams' bright futures. There's not a shed of a shred of bad news across the league ex except in Dallas. Dak can't stop throwing interceptions in a make-or-break year. If the Cowboys fail to make a deep playoff run this year, will it all fall on Dak? I got to see how it happens. I mean, it, my big concern with the Cowboys is McCarthy at end of games. I think Dak has just vacillated from overrated, underrated, never properly rated throughout his career. Dak Prescott is somewhere from the 6th best to the 10th best quarterback in football. It's just undeniable that that's where he is. Like if you and it is basically impossible to make a list of 10 quarterbacks, the top 10 quarterbacks in the league and not have Dak on it. Cuz if you have Mahomes, Burrow, the Prince, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, say all 5 of those guys are clear-cut better than him. The next group of quarterbacks, even if you say Rodgers is better than him, Lamar is better than him, Justin Herbert's better than him, that's eight. For him not to be top ten, we would need two more guys. So who are you going to say, Kirk Cousins? You can't say Dak's lack of playoff success knocks him out of the top ten, but Kirk Cousins is there. You want to put Stafford there? Maybe, but Stafford now coming off an injury. Tua? We've never seen Tua in the postseason. Like, Dak's right there, and if Dak has a really good year, he can leap ahead of Rodgers if Rodgers has another down year, Lamar if Lamar has another down year, Herbert who has no playoff success if that's what you're holding against him. So, the I think Dak is more likely this season to raise in people's eyes as far as his standing than to fall in people's eyes. And I think the interceptions last year were an aberration. He has always been a quarterback that took care of the football. That has not been his problem. I don't think all of a sudden he's at this stage of his career just going to become a super turnover-prone player. All right, next. Chiefs GM and a fan of the show, Brett Veach, said um, Chris Jones deserves a big contract. The Chiefs have never had a top 10 defense during the Mahomes era. Do the Chiefs even need defense as long as they have Mahomes? Well, if they want to rip off the dynasty that I'm talking about, they're here. listen, dynasties in NFL, modern NFL history, the Steelers in the 70s led by their defense. The If you want to call the Niners in the 90s, or in the 80s, pardon me, the San Francisco 49ers in the decade of the 1980s, allowed the fewest points of any team in the league. So they, over the course of that decade, when they won four Super Bowls, they had the number one defense. The Cowboys in the 90s, yes, they had the triplets. They also, year in, year out, had a top five defense. The Patriots, obviously, certainly their first three Super Bowls, uh, they had they were led by their defense. And then their last three Super Bowls, they were led by their offense, but they had top 10 and usually top five defenses. The Chiefs are trying to do something that's never been done in the NFL, which is rip off a dynasty with a below average, forget great, a below average defense. I don't know. That is, that is unrealistic, but not impossible. For this Chiefs team to be the team I know it can be, they don't need to have a top five defense. They need to have a round a league average defense. And if 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 and when Chris Jones is back, and I think he'll be back, I believe 
they can have a top 10 defense for the first time in the Mahomes era. And if this Chiefs team has a top 10 defense and they stay healthy, they absolutely forget win the, win the Super Bowl. They can go undefeated. I 1,000% believe that. They, the, the Chiefs' defenses have turned on at times in the postseason, but they also, some of their most epic victories, the divisional round against the Bills, the defense is nowhere to be found, this last Super Bowl. Now, last Super Bowl, the defense made the play of the game, the scoop and score uh, by Nick Bolton, but that was kind of an unforced error by Jalen Hurts. I mean, the Chiefs needed 38 points to win the game. Uh, so, all right. So that's, there's the A block. It has been a, a nice, meaty 30 minute opening segment. We'll do the AFC, all 16 teams, what we know, what you hope, what you fear. We'll do that next and play a game of this or that before we take your questions in the C block. It's all next. What's right. This episode is sponsored by better help. Because your mental well-being matters. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of that. Unlock the power of therapy with BetterHelp and witness the transformative benefits it brings to your life. From gaining valuable insights into your thought patterns to building resilience in the face of challenges. Therapy empowers you to navigate life's twists with confidence. BetterHelp offers a convenient online platform designed to be flexible, fitting seamlessly into your schedule. With a simple questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at no extra cost. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com right to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot right. Your mental health journey begins here. Welcome back in episode 171, What's Right with Nick Wright. And listen, my life moves fast. Two shows, kids at home. Sometimes I could just use a pick-me-up. And Starbucks, ready to drink coffee, delivers an uplifting boost that helps you tune into the moments that matter wherever you are. Bottled Frappuccino Chilled Coffee Drink is inspired by Starbucks Cafe favorites and comes in four delicious flavors. Mocha, vanilla, caramel, and coffee. Today's is vanilla. I like to start my day with a coffee, especially when I'm recording a new episode of What's Right. My go-to is Starbucks ready-to-drink coffee for that uplifting boost I need to conquer the day. You gotta love the range of Starbucks ready-to-drink coffee. Whether I want to grab a Starbucks Frappuccino Chilled Coffee Drink or a Nitro Cold Brew, there's so many good choices for whatever mood I'm in. Starbucks, ready for right now. Shop the full lineup online or in stores wherever you buy your groceries. All right, so we're going to slightly change what the plan is for today. We'll get to the this or that in a moment, but we started today's show by doing uh, what, what you know, what you hope, what you fear. For all 16 NFC teams, we will do the AFC teams now. Again, I'm just reading them down the list as they're listed on the NFL standings page, and everyone's 0-0, zero and zero. and so I don't know if it's it's not alphabetical. It doesn't seem, but it doesn't matter. So to the AFC East, we will start with the Buffalo Bills. What you know, much like the Eagles, you know you're going to be at a bare minimum good. You know you're going to have one of the six or seven highest scoring offenses in football. You know you are going to be one of the toughest teams to beat in the league for anybody. And you know your best. You're going to look as any team, as good as any team in the league. What you hope is that you can somehow construct a running game without asking Josh Allen to be your most dynamic runner that Josh can keep himself out of harm's way in the running game, only do it in critical spots, particularly late in the season, not 
it, that it's a really a break glass in case of emergency part of his game instead of a featured part of his game. And you hope that Josh can cut down on those t- untimely turnovers, particularly red zone turnovers that plagued you last year. What you fear is that another year removed from Brian Dable, that Josh Allen is going to further regress to the turnover mistake-prone player he was early in his career, that the Stephon Diggs drama carries over into the season, that you miss Leslie Frazier, that Von Miller, when he comes back from his ACL, is not the guy he was at the beginning of last season when you signed him, and for the first time on this little mini Bills era, you're not even the division winners in the AFC East. That's what you fear. Miami Dolphins, what you know is you're going to be as fast as any team in the league. Your defense will be improved with the addition of Vic Fangio, even though Jalen Ramsey might miss the majority, if not the entirety of the season. That Hill and Waddle will cause headaches for defenses all year long. McDaniel's going to scheme them open. And that you are a very viable postseason. You should be a very viable postseason team, if not threat. That's what you know. What you hope is that Tua can stay healthy all year. Because when Tua was out there, you had a top five offense in football. What you fear is that Tua suffers another concussion and it's it that might end his career and that once again you're on this quarterback roulette that even though the you had experience with it last year, it was not a good experience and right now your backup quarterback situation after Tua is Mike White and Skylar Thompson, and that you go into the season with the biggest injury risk in the league at quarterback, it bites you and it submarines your second straight year. New England, what you hope, or sorry, what you know is that you're going to have a top 10 defense, you're going to be incredibly well coached, And your offense is going to make more sense than it did last year because you have a professional offensive coordinator instead of Patricia and Judge figuring it out on the fly. What you hope is that Mac Jones' really awful season last year was purely a product of the offensive coordinator situation that he and Juju and Mike Gusecki create instant connections, that Mac Jones can get back to the limited but stable quarterback he was as a rookie, that the offensive line can protect him, that Bill O'Brien can scheme some guys open, and that Belichick has one last hurrah in him, if you will, as he pursues Don Shula's all-time wins record. What you fear is that the issues last year were not just about your coordinator situation. They were also about Mac Jones regressing, that you didn't add enough weapons this offseason, that you regret not getting DeAndre Hopkins, and that Belichick's plan of only hiring friends and family to his coaching staff really bites him this year. And for the first time since before Tom Brady was, uh, since Tom Brady's rookie year, I should say, before Dom, Tom Brady took over, you finished dead last in the AFC East. AFC North, B- Browns, what you know. You know you have a great running back, maybe the best in the league, certainly short list. And, Dior, you see the screen? They're out here talking trash. They're asking if you're still awake. No. Dior is, is captivated by this. The Browns, you have maybe the best running back in the league and maybe the best edge rusher in the league. You know that. You hope, very obviously, that Deshaun Watson's struggles last year were about rust and the fact that he obviously had a lot going on and that Deshaun Watson this year looks closer to the Deshaun Watson that we saw uh, that the Deshaun Watson that we saw in Houston, and then all of a sudden, him and Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Nick Chubb, that's a dynamic offense. What you fear is that the Deshaun Watson that you gave a fully guaranteed contract to and three first-round picks for is never going to be that player again, 
and that you are back to being the Browns. Pittsburgh, what you know, you're going to be in almost every game. You're going to be as well coached as any team in the league. TJ Watt's going to kick a lot of ass. You're going to have overachieving mid-round receivers. You know that because you're the Steelers. What you hope is that Kenny Pickett turns out to be worthy of the first-round pick, takes the prototypical year one to year two leap, and you are in the mix in that division. What you fear is that Kenny Pickett and his tiny hands are not able to handle being asked to do more offensively, that for the fifth or sixth straight year it would feel like you are very limited at the quarterback position from the end of the Big Ben era to right now, and that once again you're stuck in that 8-9 win range. I guess it'd be, yeah, 8 or 9 win range as Tomlin's never been below 500, and you're kind of stuck in neutral. But you're not going to be terrible. There's no chance you're terrible. Cincinnati, what you know is... When Burrow gets back out there, you are going to have a top six passing game. You kept T. Higgins. You obviously still have Chase. Burrow's awesome. And your your passing game and that side of the ball offensively should be very, very good. You know that. What you hope is that all the personnel changes on defense Don't hurt you too much. Burrow comes back fully healthy from the calf, and you are able to not just win the division, as you've done the last couple years, but have a really gaudy regular season where maybe you're playing home playoff games. As the Bengals, after round one of the playoffs each of the last two years, have been on the road the entire time. What you fear is that Burrow's calf injury lingers, that the defensive personnel changes make your defense worse, and that a year that really needs to be a seize-the-moment year because you're probably losing T. Higgins after this year, that you're not able to do it. Instead, you take a step backwards and you worry, man, was the most talent we were going to be able to put around Joe at least in the first seven, eight years of his career, did that window already close on us? And lastly, in the AFC North Baltimore, what you know, this team doesn't know all that much, actually. They have they have the widest range of potential outcomes. You know you're going to be well coached because of Harbaugh. You know you're not going to have a bad defense because you never do, and you have good personnel there. What you hope is that Lamar could have been a better passer all along, or at least last few years. He was being held back by Greg Roman and that system, and that the move to Todd Munkin, spending a first-round pick on Zay Flowers, signing Odell, all of those, giving Lamar that contract, all of those decisions will be vindicated, and you will have the scariest offense in the league because you will have a good passing game to go along with Lamar's one-in-a-lifetime ability as a runner from the quarterback position, and you can go storm and win that division. A division you were in the running for until late last year, despite Lamar's injury. Cincinnati, who you almost beat in the playoffs despite playing a backup quarterback. What you fear is that the reason Greg Roman was running the type of offense he was was because Lamar can't take that next step as a passer. All of a sudden, your offense is markedly worse because it doesn't have that diversity of the running game scheme. Lamar is easier to game plan for as a passer because you're not worried as much about the speed option and all the different things Greg Roman was doing in the running game and that it was a mistake. That putting all these chips on Lamar as a passer was a mistake and that you take a step backwards. That's what you fear. AFC South quickly. The Titans, what you know is you'll be, and sorry, it sounds like a cop-out, you'll be well-coached. You, you Last year, you found, you kept finding, the last few years, you find ways to win games. Last year, obviously, you got derailed by the quarterback injury. What you hope if you're Tennessee, is that you can, without having a miserable season, 
you can find a way to transition to Will Levis to give him a real opportunity to see what he has. Like, I, ideally, you're winning games defensively and with Derrick Henry, but Tannehill's not playing that well, so you can transition to Levis and get a look at him without having a terrible year. What you fear is this is the year Derrick Henry finally hits a wall, DeAndre Hopkins follows in the line of Randy Moss and Andre Johnson and Julio Jones of all-time receivers who have come to Tennessee to do absolutely nothing. And then you really fear that when you look at Levis or Malik Willis, a different quarterback that you spent a mid-round uh, pick on. Sorry, I don't know how I tripped. I just like slipped while sitting in this chair. Doers looking at me funny. That they don't have it and you're stuck in quarterback purgatory. The Jags, what you know. You know you're going to have a top 10 offense. You know that you have one of the best quarterbacks in football. What you hope is all of that draft capital over the last few years, high picks that you've spent on the defensive side of the ball, that they take a big leap, that Trevor takes another leap under Doug Peterson, and that you are... In that division, with that schedule, fighting for the number one seed in the conference. What you fear is that the boost we all expect you get from Calvin Ridley, the fact that he's missed all of last season with suspension, the previous year he missed half the year with injury, that Ridley is not the player that you thought you were getting when you traded for him. You have oh, you pay, paid a premium last offseason in free agency which has kind of tied your hands as far as flexibility moving forward. Trevor's about to get this big contract. You kind of stay in neutral when 9-10-ish games are not a real uh, Super Bowl threat, and all of a sudden you're about to have to pay Trevor $55 million a year, and things get a lot harder. That's what you fear. Now to the AFC West. Denver, what you know. You know you'll be better coached than you were last year. Sean Payton... Even if I'm not as high on him as others are, he obviously will be better than Nat Hackett, and obviously the team will make more sense offensively under Sean Payton. What you hope is that the vast majority of Russell Wilson's struggles last year were due to Nat Hackett and the change of scenery and all of these things, and that Russ can get back to who he was the majority of his time in Seattle, what you fear, obviously, is that while the game management stuff was on Nat Hackett, the quarterback play was on the quarterback, and that the Russ you saw last year is the Russ you're getting moving forward. Kansas City Chiefs, what you know, you're going to win a minimum of 12 games, you're going to have one of the four best offenses in football. You're going to have uh, as good of a chance as anyone to win the Super Bowl. That's what you know. What you hope is that Chris Jones gets to camp at some point in the next couple weeks. One of these young receivers, either Sky Moore or Rache Rice or Justin Ross, who I love, takes a big leap. Kadarius Tony can stay healthy and you are a juggernaut, like you were the last time you were the defending champs when in your first 15 games you went 14-1 and before resting Mahomes the final week of the year and then getting back to the Super Bowl where your offensive line was all destroyed. But you that's what you hope. What you fear is that Tony stays nicked up, none of the young receivers take a leap, and Kelsey... Hits a wall age-wise. I don't think those things are likely, but that would be the fear. Plus, you don't get a deal done with Chris Jones, so he's unhappy all year and it's your last year with him. Those would be all of the fears. I don't think any of those are likely. The Raiders, what you know. I mean, I don't know, man. Raiders are in rough shape. What you know is Devontae's awesome. I'll give you that. What you hope is that Jimmy G can stay healthy all year, that Jimmy G with Josh McDaniels, with Devontae Adams, can be a above-average passing offense, that the defense 
finally make some splash impact plays like they've struggled with the last few years, and all of a sudden you're alive for the playoffs the way you were two years ago with Carr. What you fear is that Jimmy G gets hurt early, that Josh McDaniels is as bad of a coach as he's appeared to be throughout his head coaching career, and that you are staring another last place AFC West finish dead in the face, but you're not bad enough to get one of those top two picks to draft a quarterback. And then finally, the Chargers. What you know. You know you have about as much talent on paper as any team in the conference that when you're healthy, there is no team in the league you can't beat. That's what you know. What you hope is that Justin Herbert gets back on the trajectory he was on the first couple years of his career with Kellen Moore allowing him to be more aggressive down the field early in you know early in drives on first and second down and that you are finally not snake bitten due to injury what you fear is you're just a cursed franchise who's always going to deal with injuries that herbert is going to stay in neutral for the third straight year and and this is a big one that you essentially are at the biggest disadvantage of any team in the league cuz you play half your games on the road and half your games at a neutral site because you have no home field advantage. And that is enough of a disadvantage for you to go be a 10-win team instead of a 12-13-win team like your talent says you should. So there it is, Diora. What you know, what you hope, what you fear. I think we did a bang-up job there. That was great. Now let's play a quick game before we get to the listener questions. Okay, so we're going to play a game of this or that. Yep. Fresh off a 30-point triple-double, Luka and Slovenia face off against Team USA this weekend. You are rooting for your nation or your son? You know what? In this one, I'm rooting for my son. I'm rooting for Luka. It would mean so much more for Slovenia and for Luka to win this game. And also, I don't really... The Team USA stuff, I care during the Olympics... I don't really care during the off-year international competitions. We obviously didn't send like our best NBA players. I'd like to see Luca win it. All right, next. Okay. The Basketball Hall of Fame enshrines a new class this weekend. If you've ever picked up a basketball, you make it in. Meanwhile, you aren't letting Derrick Henry in the NFL Hall of Fame. The better Hall of Fame is football or basketball. To be fair, I didn't say Derrick Henry's not in. I just said he's not a lock. And it's obviously football. The NBA Hall of Fame is too watered down. It's not even the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame. So you get credit for college and international. The Pro Football Hall of Fame is the better Hall of Fame. And it's not even a debate. Next. First-round rookie running back B. John Robinson is listed third on the depth chart. Reading into early depth charts is essential or hilarious? Hilarious. Listen, B. John Robinson's best player on that team is a rookie. Flatly. He's not going to be third. It's just like, oh, he's a rookie. He's got to earn his spot. He earned his spot when you took him in the top ten, guys. And putting him third on the depth chart is just stupid. All right, next. Someone famous who often makes ridiculous statements said yesterday, anything not first is second or last. The, the notorious leader of men who said this was Russell Williams. Russell Wilson. Wilson. Mm-hmm. I, that's like the third time I've done that. Yeah. Or Ricky Bobby. I mean... I, I guess it was Russell Wilson. It was a really ridiculous quote. I, I've read it a couple times. Uh, he said, anything not first is second or last. The Broncos would be thrilled to finish second in the division. You also can make the playoffs finishing second or third. Technically, you make the playoffs finishing last in the division. It's just never happened. It's just it's just a bad quote. All right, next. Okay. Um Gosh, sorry, my, my iPad glitched. A new game has fully occupied the brains of sports fans for the past few weeks. Even the Vikings are playing them in team meetings. Which one are you better at? Nick's better immaculate grid is NBA or NFL? I think this will surprise people. I'm not good at stuff like this. I don't, like, I, if you were to ask me right now, like, what number does... Trevor Lawrence where? I can't tell you. I, like, can't see it. So, like, players' jersey numbers and then just, like, the instant recall of, oh, this guy played for multiple teams, for some reason, I'm no good at it. 
Like, I'm very... It, and it's not because I don't have a good memory, because I could... You ask me who won any Super Bowl or any NBA championship in history, I can tell you, but that's another thing. I can't tell you because, like, I know who won the 1975 Super Bowl. What I can do is I can go backwards in history year by year by year by year and give you all of it. But I'm no good at the Immaculate Grid thing. I, I think something that Nick Wright is not good there's at. There's plenty of things I'm not good Everybody at. Everybody take note. No, there's plenty of th- you don't think I think I'm good at everything. There's plenty of things I'm not good at. But this is the type of thing I think people would expect me to be good at. I'm just not good at. All right, next. Okay. The last six shows of Taylor Swift's Eras Tour have generated $320 million for the Los Angeles economy. And Kobe once gave her a jersey, and Taylor gave his daughter the 22 hat. LA seems to have really embraced her. The star more adored in LA is Taylor Swift or LeBron? Probably Taylor. Here's what I. It should be LeBron, though. Well, here's what I find so interesting about the Taylor Swift stuff. Uh huh. I. And I don't. Who do you think the biggest musical star in the world is? Beyonce. I'm not a Swiftie. So, so, okay, so here's the thing. I'm not, we've talked about being Swifties and stuff before on the show. I'm not either, but I have nothing against it. But the way, so the Renaissance Tour is going on right now as well. Uh They're both obviously massive international tours. Yes. But there is, to me, like a real two Americas thing about do you think the biggest pop star in the world, you know, is it Taylor Swift or is it Beyonce? Because prior to this tour, just one second, I would have thought everyone was playing for second place to Beyonce. But... Taylor's selling out six shows in LA in a row and all these things. And she has like four top 10 records right now. Maybe objectively speaking, just raw numbers, maybe she is bigger than Beyonce. But I do think there is a huge either cultural or racial divide on Swift versus Beyonce. Now, I, I, the, I think Taylor, I think Beyonce probably has more of a crossover fans than Taylor necessarily does. But Taylor is. Taylor's more with my generation. More so, Taylor's bigger among younger people than Beyonce. You know, there's kids at my school who, like, when I first came to the school, I was like, I love Beyonce. People are like, who's that? Which that is, I don't believe. No, it's, it's like it. It may be a slightly racial thing in some in some senses. Who's Beyonce? I'm like, oh, the one who sings this song. They, oh, I know that song, but like, I didn't know she sang that. Okay, well, maybe so. Maybe the maybe my age is showing here, and I guess that makes sense because Beyonce's been big for twenty years, but Taylor was big enough. The Kanye thing at the at the Grammys happened fourteen, fifteen years ago, so she's been big for a really long time too. I just find it, I find it fascinating that maybe I just had a blind spot for how massive Taylor Swift was. Because I thought everyone was playing playing for second place to Beyonce. No matter, I'm not talking about quality of music. I'm talking about any of that. I'm just talking about worldwide acclaim. I think it's it, because Beyonce didn't come out with music for a really long time. Oh, maybe. And it made people, and Taylor Swift just kept going. And, and man, they're all hits. She had four uh, top ten. No, Dior. They, no. I know technically. I'm just yeah. Hits, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm not. I, I again. I don't. I, I'm not, I, I don't listen to enough music, nor am I sophisticated enough musically to evaluate any of this stuff. I'm simply saying, by the definition of what a hit is, she creates hits on a level we have not seen since Michael Jackson. Taylor People Swift. I'm trying does. to say that she's the new Michael Jackson. That's what, but and he, that, that is something I refuse to listen so, to. So here's the thing, though, on that. By the numbers, she is. I don't care about. I, 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 right, but that's there what, are people genuinely going around being like Taylor Swift is the new. No, Michael but, Jackson. but here's the thing, that opinions are subjective. The numbers that she does, as far as what her songs chart, 
the 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 uh, ticket sales, arenas, all this stuff. She, I guess, she is bigger than Beyonce, but that is just unfathomable to me. And but it's just objectively true. And as far as the numbers, if we are just talking about like most successful musical acts ever, the Beatles, Michael Jackson, Taylor Swift appear to be, I know, but it's great, but it's true, man. Like they appear to be three of the mount. Like I think she has passed the Rolling Stones. She is, I, I like won't even hear it. But it's but I no I will not even What I'm telling it. you is it's just objective fact. I it's fascinating to me. Beyonce's it, a better performer. Taylor Swift can't even dance. Oh, okay, careful now. We're gonna I don't need us no, to be I'm attacked saying, by these people. No, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is like a known thing with all of her fans. Taylor Swift can't dance. Right. And Beyonce's performance I agree listen, Diora. I just like, I agree with you a hundred percent on can't do it, man. On a like preference and quality, all of it. But it is a phenomenon what this woman is doing, and I think she is the biggest pop star in the world. I mm. it's it's fascinating to me. We answer your listener questions next. We'll try. Are you ready to take control of your health and conquer your weight loss goals? Look no further than Factor, your ultimate solution to better eating. Each Factor meal is always fresh, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. No more waiting around or spending hours in the kitchen. Just heat and eat. It's that simple. Over 35 different options to choose from each week, including calorie-smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, Factor ensures you'll never get bored. With more than 60 add-ons to help you stay full and feeling good all day long. Pancakes, smoothies, and more. With Factor, there's no prepping, no cooking, and certainly no cleanup needed. The best part? You can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Sign up and save because we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Eat better, feel better, and conquer your day with Factor. So what are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash nickwright50 and use code nickwright50 to get 50% off. That's code nickwright50 at factormeals.com slash nickwright50 to get 50% off. Fuel up, eat better, and achieve greatness. Get started today. Welcome back. Episode 171. We're going to answer your fan questions. Glass Onion 25 said, petition for Nick to do Immaculate Grid on air as a segment moving forward. I'm telling you, I don't think, I don't, first of all, I don't think it'd be good content. Second of all, I don't think I'd be that good at, at it. And I'm not really into like publicly doing things I'm not excellent at. It's not my thing. Like, hey, here's this thing that I know I'm not great at. Let me do it in front of thousands of people. That doesn't sound fun. All right, next. FTF said, Russ has looked really good in training camp, so if Russ has a really good outing on Friday in the preseason, would you be more confident in him? No, I need to see it. And I just I I didn't think Russ looked good his final year in Seattle. I know some of the numbers were good. He didn't look like the same player, and I think that Russ as a top a, a, an above average quarterback in this league, I think that's done. So I will need to see it for an extended period in the regular season for me to believe it. Next. Ethan Cross asked, do you think the Steelers are getting disrespected by having the worst odds to win the AFC North? Well, I think they should have worse odds than Cincinnati or Baltimore. I don't think they should have worse odds than Cleveland, but it's not the Steelers who that is disrespecting. It's Kenny Pickett. That's just Vegas, uh, flatly and i guess the general public not believing in kenny pickett it's as simple as that next phase 91 said hey nick prog viewer um getting married in about 10 days and a response would be the best gift if you weren't in the u.s what culture slash reason region would you choose to immerse yourself in sports wise oh that's it oh that listen by the way shout out to Prague. shout out to the czech republic 
I'm going uh, throughout Northern Europe uh, next week, but I'm not going to make it to the Czech Republic. I'm going first time in any of these places for me. Uh, I'm going to Amsterdam, uh, Cologne, Germany, Brussels, and then Paris uh, over the next 10 days after you know t uh, we leave tomorrow. My, me, my wife, and our August travel partners, which are her grandparents, who are 93 and 90. Her granddad hosted the show with me one time. Um, but my answer is what? He, what, Dior? He did? Yeah, back when we were doing it at home. Back when the podcast was at home. Yeah. Granddaddy did a segment with me. I think I have to watch that um, episode. So, but my answer to that is European football european soccer uh and the only place i've there are two places i've been that i think i could actually live full time uh outside of the u.s and that's barcelona and rome i and maybe just barcelona maybe rome but definitely barcelona and i could definitely get into spanish football spanish soccer um i i like it already but i the i think the the caribbean is beautiful but i couldn't live there is not it's just not enough to do and not enough uh food options if i'm being totally honest uh i think my favorite thing about living in new york city is the food um but i i i think i would just just dive headfirst into european uh soccer because it's so passionate, I've been to a game and it's so good. Uh, but I, but I listen. I, I'm traveling to whole areas of Europe that I've never been. I haven't traveled as much as I would like to have up to this point in my life, but I'm trying to make up for it now. So that that's my answer phase. And shout, people say the Czech Republic is beautiful. All right, that's that'll that'll do it for today's show. We are off next week. We're not going to ask that last one. We're we're off next week. And we the TV show is off next week as well. TV show is also off tomorrow. On the air today at 3 o'clock. Then the next time you guys will see me will be a week from Monday on First Things First. The next time you'll see Dior and I will be a week from Tuesday right here at Trentage for What's Right. See you guys then. <laughs>